Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring potholes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 10, The Sinbin, which once again has no matching expression in German and does, we call it, chess pieces instead. And I gotta say, German's got the better title this time. So, with the chess pieces, let's see what pieces get moved this episode. Twist and turns and obsessions deliver us to the twist of the season. In addition, we get sarcastic mace commentary and the best wingman ever. Trixie! Oh, this episode is finally something that got me really, 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 really excited about the main plot. Yes, surprisingly. <laughs> I know, right? Did not see that one coming. Well, that being said, my search for Obsession of the Week was, how do I put that delicately, a bit of a failure. One of them is the Sinnerman, but it felt exactly. like... Exactly. It is the Sinnerman again, which is why in the first 10-15 minutes of this episode, I was very much not into it. And the longer the episode continued, the more I was into it. It feels like Sinnerman is not exactly the obsession for him. Yes, because now the obsession is the correct Sinnerman. Oh, okay. Well, to me, it just didn't feel right. But yeah, I suppose it just... What other options did you decide? Getting Lucifer's face back and then I just wrote, why? <laughs> I was tired. Yeah, let's go with once more the Sinnerman. Let's do the cinematic. Once again, there are very, very little facts and funs. We have a return writer with Sherry Elwood gaining her sixth credit. Wow. There are Sweet Kicks, St. Lucifer, Lady Parts, Stewardess Interrupters, and of course, Vegas with some radish that she co-wrote. Ta-da! We also have a fourth-time return director with Greg Beeman, who did Stewardess Interrupters, Homewrecker, and Hashtag Team Lucifer. Let's do the previously on Lucifer. Lucy is fighting back the sinner man who had him kidnapped and dubbed in the desert. Chloe doubts his existence, but Pierce confirms it. Charlotte now works for the DA's office. Linda is asking about Lucy powers. Lucy says it's about free will. The sinner man tries to lock him up in a freezer. He also apparently killed Pierce's brother and Pierce is on a revenge path. They manage to arrest the dude and he gouges his eyes out just so Lucy can't use his powers on him. And that's it. Did I miss anything? I don't think so, no. This was a bit of a all over the place, so... It's also a bit longer than we're used to. It's nearly a full minute. Yeah. And then we go into a very short cold open that's like 10 seconds long. <laughs> Yeah, I only have one note, and that is, huh, mysterious. I have, that is a very sporty car, but what did she expect? She must have known how close whoever was behind her was to her. <laughs> turns out I was right, because it turns out it's all staged. We then move over into Lux. There is a party in a penthouse. Lucifer is going for a theme here. We get... A song that is in Spanish. It's called Sin Oficio and it's by Sistema Solar. And we get a piñata and there is tequila drinking. 
and it's a whole theme. And I would go to that party. I would live that party. That party would be my birthday party. And then I would not be there because I cannot drink tequila. Sorry. I mean, it doesn't need to be exclusively tequila. Then I could Let's come. be honest. <laughs> I love the fact that the piñata is angel-shaped and that the angel-shaped piñata is filled with condoms. I missed the angel shape for some reason, somehow. There you go. So that was brilliant. I very much love Mace in this scene because her sarcasm is just such perfection, both for her, how I feel about Lucifer at this point in the show, and everything. And she's literally just stating the very obvious. She's definitely not wrong. It is pretty naive of Lucifer to think that it's going to be this easy. Then Maze brings up another very good point, and that is that if the cinnamon would want to really hurt Lucifer, he could do way worse things than what he did. He could take away things. The club, the job, someone. Hint, hint, hint. This whole scene, I adored everything that Maze says. The entire episode, Maze is going to be pretty brilliant. But Lucifer at the start, he's just kind of funny, I suppose, for somebody. That he is just so out of touch with everything that's happening. He's very arrogant and very blasé about the mm. whole thing. Mm. We move over to the precinct. I would not be me if I didn't have complaints. Ah, oh, here we go. I don't understand why Ella is so much into Pierce. I didn't understand it before. I still don't understand it. And I hate it. So this is the moment where I get a bit weirded out by Chloe for the first time. The fact that she didn't realize that the brother thing wasn't common knowledge. That's just Same. so weird. Because we had them, and we talked about this, we pointed it out, like, last week, when we said, well, why would she share something that she never shared with anybody else? Exactly. Well, because he shared something that was also very personal and he wouldn't really share with just anyone. Chloe has the emotional ability to recognize when someone is... We read that as her reasoning. Yeah, it makes sense. Chloe and her emotional ability is evolved enough to realize that he is telling her something that is not a common knowledge, that it's something special, and that's why she shares. Yeah. And now this just absolutely negs the entire conversation and the intimate moment that they had. Which, in retrospect, makes me win our argument. Well, yes, but it doesn't make Yay! sense this way this way yeah which is why i was complaining so yay well, retroactively added a point to me retroactively yeah <laughs> at the time this was the only thing that made sense and i feel like this moment invalidated something that was actually really well done yes and that pissed me off and it was like a half she wouldn't be this stupid and the other half in me was like is she just gossiping because it feels like she is just trying to gossip which to also honest. doesn't fit chloe exactly but it was just, ugh. since when does Ella have a crush on Pierce? That's my complaint. And then since when does Chloe gossip is my next complaint. Yeah. But then the pseudo cinnamon, as I keep calling him in my notes, even before the reveal happens, the pseudo cinnamon walks in and I do appreciate his humor. It was just so fucking melodramatic. I loved it. Long time no see. I was so over that. <laughs> 
I call him dude in my notes because it felt wrong calling him the cinnamon. I took the time to write pseudo cinnamon every single time. Yeah. Because I was so annoyed and sure that he was not the actual cinnamon. And in the end, I got my confirmation. So that's yeah. nice. I kept everything inside the precinct together. We move over to the tiny observation room for the interrogation room. I talk about the sunset remark in my notes, which is, you know, that was very cute. The whole situation, it's just them being children, just fighting like children. You are not wrong, because the whole setup is them being like fucking kids, fighting and getting distracted. And Chloe being the parent who's like, ah, I'm gonna use this. The smartest person in the room, usually. Chloe Decker. She just goes into the interrogation room and goes into action. And this was one One of the moments where I see old classic Chloe and I love yes. it and I love her and this is how I want to see her. Same until she starts speaking to the cinnamon. Ugh. Because her first remark that she walks in and asks him if she should call him Mr. Man or Sinner. I was just like, is she being dumb on purpose or she's lost her sense of humor on the way to the interrogation room or what? It was just so bad. But if we get into this bit of interrogation We very briefly have Chloe trying to have a conversation with him and then immediately we get the phone call. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm not skipping anything. I very much appreciate this very classic take to crime shows with the I'm the only one who can get you to her in time. You need to take me out of the precinct and I will lead you to her. Nothing can go wrong. And then, of course, everything goes wrong. So that is very, very classic crime show storytelling. Like we've seen on Criminal Minds, for example, time and time again. Yeah. As common as it tends to be, I enjoy this very much. So. Yep. I was there for it. And then, of course, we get our title card. Yeah. And right after the title card, we go into the matching discussion. What other ways do we have to solve this without doing what he says and taking him out? Which, of course, crime show connoisseurs such as you and me know is doomed to fail. It's nice that they try. And I kind of like that Lucifer is there to immediately be us saying, listen, it's gonna happen in his way. Yeah. Why not just jump to that? Like, been there, done that, seen that. <laughs> He makes this reference, which a bit, a bit too much for me. It was like, but also I really appreciated it. And it was, Obi-Wan can't see me is Maggie's only hope, which is an obvious reference to Star Wars. And because I grew up watching that film over and over and over again, it just made me kind of happy, even though it made me cringe a little bit. But also, Pierce is being super weird about this whole situation. He's being very much dismissive about this entire, oh, there's no way you're gonna take the Cinnamon out of here. Uh. Is it just me or is no one actually respecting Lieutenant Pierce thus far? It just feels like nobody really listens to what he has to say at this stage. And that kind of is weird contrast to what we've seen so far because everybody was kind of shitting themselves in his presence. But they do follow his command. He says no and Chloe is okay. We're not doing what Lucifer says. In a sense though, the way that felt was rather, we're not doing it for now. Yeah, because she also has been working with Lucifer for quite some while and this is what I meant before we started recording. She knows that usually when Lucifer says, yeah, this is how it's gonna end up. He's right. So, yeah. yeah. 
We move towards the end of the scene and once again this fucking show had me laugh out loud sitting in front of my screen because Trixie coloring crime photos is just perfection. It's amazing. Especially her smile and wave. Oh, she's so happy. She's just, hey, this is fun. And also we get a very rare perspective of Dan and Chloe relationship because we don't really get to see them together talking about Trixie these days at all. Yeah, there's not much parenting happening. Not from both of them at the same time. Well, mainly not from Dan. We do get Chloe being a parent from time to time, but Dan is very much on the outskirts of the situation, mm-hmm. it feels like. So it's kind of nice to see that he is still super dad and he still is around and is being a good dad. Also later on to get the confirmation that this all is a regular thing and that Trixie is very aware but secure in the situation with her parents. Exactly. So that made me happy. Well, for the last thing in this scene, I was quite surprised that Chloe immediately recognizes a random roller derby logo. And of course, we're going to find out very quickly why. But at this stage, I was just like, "Mm, how convenient. For me, it was more if she's going to recognize this, then she would have recognized it without Ella zooming in. Yeah. Because the pin is very easily recognizable, even in the normal zoom level. So maybe she just didn't notice, to be honest. But if she's that quick to be like, ah, I know exactly what this is, then she would have recognized it earlier. So that's my issue with it. Sometimes I stare at something for a really long time before I notice that there's something. But you're not Chloe Supercop. Are you saying that I'm dumb? No, I'm saying you're not as magically gifted and perceptive as Chloe usually uh, is. Great. Thank you. Nobody is. Duh. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking it personally at all. That is fine. Let's just let this one go and roll over to the roller derby. We do get a song which is called Down to the Bottom by Dorothy. And Dorothy has been around Lucifer's playlist for a while as well. So, you know, at least I think so. So we get two songs this scene? Yeah. Oh, wow. Two out of the four songs this episode are in one scene. That is surprising. I had not realized this. Mm -hmm. Like you already pointed out, Chloe is very much into roller derby, which I kind of like. Yeah, it kind of really makes sense. It would be a really good hobby for her, you know. Get a dog and do some roller derby thing. She'd be so good at it as well, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. She would be kicking ass and taking names. And so is Trixie, I believe. I can totally see that happening. Mm-hmm. Crazy sport, though. I was very much amused when the one girl goes, the Slayer is missing because the girl that we saw in the cold open seemed kind of sweet. So the Slayer as a nickname, okay, not so sweet, apparently. Here I was thinking that you were going to make a Buffy Wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. Wait for it. You're too early. Just the Slayer not makes a Buffy reference. Wait for it. Are you saying there's going to be more later in the episode? Later in the scene. Oh, my God. Okay. I found it very curious that they try to talk to Helena rolling around. And it's just (laughs) super weird because they're trying to talk to her and they try to talk to her every time she's passing by but also then you know what Chloe I expected? for some reason decides to take her badge out when Helena is on the other side of the track you like know what I expected that they're gonna trip her yes I was hoping that was gonna happen but I was waiting for Lucifer to just stick something through the rail and just 
have them all tumble into a huge mess. Mm-hmm. Help her with the stick. Exactly. So that was my expectation. Sadly, it didn't happen. But we do get some very, very fun teamwork with the beer. That we do. And we get another song in this scene as a soundtrack to The Chase, which is actually my uh, Devils in the Music segment, Cherry Bomb by The Runaways. And if you want to hear us talk very briefly about this, you need to tune in there in our bonus. However, this whole chase, I keep calling it a chase scene, but it's not really a chase. It's just Lucifer and Chloe kind of walking around trying to get to talk to Helena who is on stage and yet she can't get away which is kind of weird but also very amusing and then we get the whole beer business it's a fun scene yeah there is a whole bunch of bits and pieces in this episode that are just shot so well so I was genuinely really really happy with the directing and the camera yes Definitely. And I ask, since Lucifer did the whole beer thing, does that mean that he's more competent than Chloe now? Because this is not the first thing that he's done this episode that seems to be like a couple steps ahead of Chloe. He's thinking outside of the box more than she is, but that is kind of normal in their partnership, which is one of the things that makes them such great partners because they complete each other. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. So I really enjoyed this display of partnership. And mm-hmm. later on, there's another one. This whole conversation with Helena is uh, quite snappy. It's very quick. I love her. I like the look of her. I like everything about her. I figured that you'd love her hair. Oh, everything. The hair, the attitude, the makeup, the clothes, everything about her. I love it. Yeah, she's very good. I kind of really like that they found a way to incorporate the names of the different moves, but we also get a really quick explanation by Chloe, and it makes sense for Chloe to know it because of the whole Trixie being a fan and part of a roller derby scene, which obviously is only a partially true because because we are pretty sure that Chloe is very much into this. And I appreciate the way that they made her into it. And it makes sense. But also it gives us the explanation to everything that's said. So we don't have to like interrupt the interview and have Helena being the one telling us what is what. She can just like continuously go on on her rant about how horrible the Slayer is. And Chloe can be just there to say, oh yeah, this is that, this is whatnot. It's just works really well for me. We move on to one of my favorite scenes in this episode mm-hmm. because then calling the babysitter, hearing that she died and failing in the way to communicate this fact to Trixie. I think he did a great job. He didn't think so. It was so good. It was so well done. I really, really enjoyed it and him going, oh, well, not so super dead and Trixie being completely chill about it. I very much enjoyed this. That's why I think that he actually did a really good job because he didn't make a big deal out of it and he didn't try to explain that she's in heaven or whatever you're supposed to tell children. But he just said, yep, she's not going to babysit you anytime soon or ever again, essentially. And she's like, yeah, I can accept that. I'm fine with that. This is good. Then we get Charlotte showing up and throwing some clips in there. And this is just so sweet because Trixie immediately can tell that there is something happening between the two of them. Because as we established, Trixie is super smart and she obviously gets her emotional abilities and intelligence from her mother. Yes, but only from the Chloe that we had last week, not from the Chloe that we had this week. (laughs) 
Maybe it's because Trixie now has it that Chloe can't use it. Oh, so it's like a gift. The Trixie praising, of course, continues because, let's be honest, it is very obvious that her idea is Charlotte is gonna be my babysitter today. Also, excuse me, but her smile when she's like, ooh, daddy, I have an idea. And she does this whole thing with her face when she kind of like has this really cheeky expression and I'm like she's such a good actress like she is just such a natural I hate that and I love that at the same time it's so good do you have anything else for this scene let me go back to my notes no so we go over to a very short scene it's not even a minute but this is the dynamic that I very much enjoy between Chloe and Lucifer because while they are arguing they are actually bickering like a married couple yes I don't need them to be agreeing all the time or anything like that but this is the tone the attitude the underlying appreciation but also she says what happened to being on the same page the partner being a team and I have to say Chloe we are wondering the exact same thing for a while now yeah but about her About the both of them. Listen to yourself. Yeah, that's true. Both of them need to listen to this and get over themselves. I mean, the grenade was for me very obvious. It could have been a grenade, a bomb, whatever. That shit was gonna hit the fan was clear. But you know what made this scene for me? No. Oops. (laughs) Yeah. That was just... Oh, my heart. Same. And at this stage, I was like, okay, we have two options. Either someone else wanted to kill her, as in not the person that kidnapped her, or someone was trying to get rid of the evidence, which is the outcome that Chloe comes to. I'm actually really, really glad, if I move on to our elevator scene, that Chloe has decided to be the bigger person and supports Lucifer's plan. Oh, I saw that coming because, like you said before, earlier in the pre it was the whole we're gonna do it Pierce's way for now yeah so I did not find it surprising that Chloe oh it just made me very happy oh it samesies my first note is yay Chloe's joining Lucifer on the cause and not to mention that she already has a plan so she must have known that she was gonna do this for a while to come up with it isn't that great or she's just that good which I appreciate because I love me some competent Chloe And of course, her entire plan relies on the fact that Lucifer can follow Chloe's instructions. Which is kind of weird knowing Lucifer. Which to me says she trusts him. And which is why I get so angry at the end of the episode. That is a good point. And with that, my favorite scene of this entire episode starts. The fucking heist planning with the in-between cuts and everything. This is quality. This is what I want from this season. Ah! Yes! So, during the entire heist setup, I have two remarks I need to say. Mm -hmm. One is very obvious because I fucking love Ella. And I love how they use her and her tendency to get over-involved and over-emotional with things. This is very, very well done and very much in character, which I appreciate because we both have been complaining that in some of the past episodes, Ella has been written very out of character. Mm -hmm. So this is very, very great. And of course, my other hill this season, it's so mean that Dan is the one to get the package. I found it hilarious. Just the one sentence. It's too neatly packed to be a severed head. It's so mean. 
it has smiley faces on the wrapping paper and it's ticking. It's tick. I genuinely, it started ticking. I stopped the episode. I just started laughing. I know it's hilarious. Stopped the episode so I didn't miss anything because my, I was just so amused. My poor Dan. My poor, poor Dan. You deserve better. Especially by your fucking ex-wife. He's a stalker, okay? Let's put it out there. He's not a stalker. Uh-huh. No. I am definitely taking Ella's side in that scene, by the way. <laughs> but never mind. We'll get to that. This was brilliant. So these are the two during the heist moments that I had to exclaim. Yep, same. Honestly, I need to point out that Ella used to have a corgi and she made the entire argument of trying to get Pierce to tell her about his brother by telling him about her dead corgi that was run over by a car. With custom rims. She remembers the exact make, model, and details of the car. Of course she does, but like it's just so perfect for her. I love that moment so much. But also, again, it gives us this tiny, tiny scrap of information about Ella. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I haven't said it in a while. I need my Ella backstory! <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the heist setup, we get our Ocean's Eleven reference. Mm -hmm. And maybe you should watch the movie if you enjoy this type of film. Don't watch the others, just watch the first one. I've seen some of the others, but I haven't seen the first one. Ignore the rest, just watch the first one, really. The first one was a nice idea, and then of course they tried to franchise it, and it turned out horrible. We go to the babysitting. And we finally get to see Charlotte's new office. And I'm digging her digs. I'm with Trixie, I'm not digging her digs. And I feel like Trixie had some higher hopes for the beginnings of her plan. But she soon recovers and goes right in there for the kill. Yep. Which is just wonderful and I love this child. I do have to say though, so I really, really appreciate Trixie's honesty. And I think this is the best policy with Charlotte as well, because Charlotte is awkward around children. She's not 100% sure what she's expected to do. And I feel that, honestly, if I do interact with a child, it's difficult for me to figure out what are the rules. So it's nice to see or meet a child that's like very much straightforward and doesn't really take much of a you know crap so it is kind of sad though that charlotte doesn't have the skills to rebuild her relationship with her own kids but i'm really glad that trixie's there to help and to save the day because she says you're the mom you make the rules and i think that's something that Charlotte didn't realize sometimes we just need things to be said out loud to our face even though they're super obvious and I appreciate very much that we will see very soon that Charlotte will take this advice to the hearts and she's gonna try to get her kids back so as much as I don't want to meet them I think it's good for her we can go on a walk with the blind guy so something that I actually completely forgot to mention in the previous scene Pierce is being really weird again the entire episode yeah yeah he's very adamant about not letting anyone touch the cinnamon or letting him outside or even the idea of that plan of like taking him out or whatever is incomplete deniety that's probably not a word but he just really doesn't want to do that and he's very much against it there's no option 
one where Pierce is not in direct proximity to the cinnamon. What do you mean? In Pierce's narrative, he goes with them because if the cinnamon is going somewhere, he is gonna go along. He is gonna be like this yeah. close to the cinnamon at all times. He's not gonna let him out of his sight. Blah, blah, blah. Which is something that is super weird. And what threw me, especially at the end of the previous scene, is that he was so much about he's not going anywhere, he's gonna stay here, there is no way we're gonna go on with his plan. And then when they actually kidnap him from the precinct, he has no issue whatsoever with going on with that plan. So it just shows that he has maybe a different plan. No, he gives us an explanation because Lucifer asks. And Pierce says, because you're right, this is the best way to find the girl. And here we go again. I don't think it's a good enough explanation. It's good enough for Lucifer. I'm not trying to disagree with you. My hang-up is with a different moment. My hang-up is with, when they hear the screaming, Chloe and Pierce running off and leaving Lucifer alone with the cinnamon. Oh, that is a whole different situation. Like, that, that's my main issue. They do go off and Lucifer, in the middle of the beautiful walk that they are having, is starting to ask the correct questions. And I ask, is he truly the superior detective in this episode? What is the question that he asks? He's asking about the tattoo. He's asking about the cinnamon and why is Pierce there with them? There is something fishy about Pierce and Lucifer realized that. Lucifer catches on that there is something fishy about Pierce but I feel that he did so before but he was too distracted by the whole cinnamon but now it's become so obvious even he caught on it just makes it even more glaring that Chloe does not Mm -hmm. and this also plays into my anger rant at the end of the episode yep they save the girl and suddenly realize, whoopsie, no more Cinnamon and no more Lucifer. Why would anybody think that Lucifer was taken by the Cinnamon? By the accomplice of the Cinnamon. Okay, yeah. So to me, that was just, I don't know if I just remembered that that was not the case somewhere subconsciously, but that didn't even cross my mind. And it actually surprised me when when Chloe said that. I was like, Keep in mind that Chloe is close enough that Lucifer could have gotten knocked out. Yeah, but Chloe doesn't know that. No, no, but she doesn't know that he can't usually get knocked out. But so it was a theoretical possibility if there was an accomplice that Lucifer Mm. got knocked out. But yeah, it's basically A, he got taken again by the cinnamon and his goons, which would be very bad for his ego, or he took the cinnamon because he's gonna do his Lucifer thing. Yeah. And obviously it turns out he took the pseudo-cinnamon. Yeah. And we close up this scene with Maggie in the back of the ambulance. She has a slip of tongue with the grenade, Mm -hmm. which I liked very much. And she booked the cinnamon. And that... I did not see coming in the beginning of the episode. That was a very nice twist. That was a very good twist. Also, Pierce at the beginning of the scene is being like super noble and gross and I hated it. It was just like... (laughs) 
He was his usual horrible self, so it didn't even register. To me, this just directly gonna play into his behavior at the end of the episode when he makes himself into being a hero. And it's just very bothersome because he, this is exactly what he does now. And it bothers me that Chloe doesn't see through it. Yeah. It actually really, really bothers me. Yeah. The thing that I've talked about, a lot, we've talked about a lot last episode. Why would he be going around killing people himself and got himself caught? Which is why it's so obvious that this is the pseudo cinnamon and not the actual cinnamon. This is another puppet. Because yeah. then it all makes sense. Mm. If this is a pseudo cinnamon and a smokescreen, then everything makes sense and everything is perfect. Finally, Chloe realizes that Lucifer is the one who's taken the cinnamon and not vice versa. So I applaud Chloe for being a decent detective. Well for done, realizing Chloe. the obvious, but yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and we can move on to one of the most beautiful properties that Lucifer owns. I call it The View. You mean Lucifer's Sinbin? Yeah, that's what he calls it. Yes, that's true. And we get a song with this that is by Dirty Monster and Ooh, it's called Devil's Soul, which is pretty on the nose, if you ask me, but also pretty brilliant. The first thing about this scene is the fucking eyes being painted on and I lost my shit. I knew this was gonna happen and I lost my shit the first time I saw it and I lost my shit again. It's so fucking hilarious. I didn't remember this bit until he actually just said that it's disturbing or something you know the one sentence before he actually goes on and draws the eyes on the bandages and I was just like is he is he actually yes yes he's actually doing this okay <laughs> it's hilarious it's very funny and then Lucifer is getting super angry and the dude is egging him on and I was hoping for a moment that we're gonna see Lucifer do some actual torturing because yeah. so far we haven't seen him do it himself. But no, because of course we don't. He has brought in Maze. As I said, dude is trying to egg Lucifer on and he's just making it worse for himself. This is the moment when I just started struggling with like, why? Why is he doing this? Why is he making it worse? He has been egging Lucifer on since their first remote interaction. Yes, but there's a difference because before he was more in a position of power. Now all the power is on Lucifer's side. It just makes you wonder, does he still have an ace in the hole that we don't know about? Yeah, exactly. And that is like, it feels at this moment that he it literally doesn't have anywhere to go. And as we will soon find out he does not but the way he's behaving it feels like he either wants to die really really bad or he there's a twist has coming something in store for us and it's just so weird and at this moment it just again feels like he should have had a henchman or something to make it more believable for him to be the sinner man but like We've talked about this way too much already. So it was just something that poked out at me yet again. And I just felt the need to mention it again. That's and fine. Then... It's nice that for a change, you're a repeato girl and not mm -hmm. me. <laughs> 
Now we can get to the new rule that has been just introduced to us. We now get confirmation, in quotation marks, that Amenadiel's loss of power is because he was murder adjacent. Mm -hmm. So to me, this rule feels to be very fluid to when it does apply and when it doesn't apply. And on top of all of that, we have the fact that Lucifer doesn't usually follow God's rules. And so I'm very confused as to why this is now a rule. We can definitely agree on the fact that this rule feels very fluid. Yeah. And we could probably go episode by episode and pick points every single case that they've worked on and somehow see if, if anybody dies, whether or not it was Lucifer's fault. Yeah, this is something that I'm going to be very sensitive about in the future. And I know that, but like you have to realize that this is... That this is a story and a show and sometimes they need to be a bit flexible in their writing. Yeah. I am fully aware of that, they but have needed... you met me, nitpicker extraordinaire? They needed this rule to be introduced now. And yes, you're going to be more aware about what's happening towards that in the future, but I don't think it would be 100% fair to apply that on every single detail in the past. You are completely right, but have you met me? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I suppose. I call it Chekhov's gun, this rule, immediately. And even though it's not like 100%. Not really. But to me, the I fact I know that... what you mean, but no. <laughs> because he doesn't kill a human. It would be a Chekhov's gun if he did kill. Well, I didn't know that at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. Makes sense. <laughs> Sorry. That's all I have for this scene, which is more than enough. I will close up this scene with my last note that I'm going to just read out aloud. Oh, no, 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 Lucy. Stupid Lucy. I don't even remember why stupid Lucy. Because he comes up with a plan that he maybe needs to broke that rule in order to get his devil face back. And that is a stupid idea and it will bite him in the arse. I was very much with his argumentation there. Like, the argumentation is solid and that's what irks me so much about it. <laughs> and it's it makes very too much simple. sense, it can't be true. <laughs> No, no, it's a simple solution to a problem that he is experiencing and that is absolutely fair. But that doesn't change the fact that it's a stupid idea because God, as much as a dig he is, he has proven times and times again that he's more powerful than Lucifer. And if he wants something to be done a certain way, he will make sure it's gonna be done a certain way. So it is stupid to try to defy him on but such, that's a, Lucifer's such a stick. I know, but it's just such a minor thing. I understand why and I'm with his argumentation and I get it, but... You're still against it. I'm not against it. I'm just saying it's a stupid idea and it's going to bite him in the arse. Okay. We move over to the precinct and I only have one thing to say, which is, Dear Dan, I'm with you on everything you said. I agree on everything. The files, the gifts, the appreciation, or rather the lack thereof. And that's yeah. all I have to say. In this scene, I was slightly surprised that no one but Ella is giving done shit about being a stalker and having a file on Lucifer. Even the reaction that Chloe has to this feels like she knew about the file before. Yeah, which is and surprising. I'm not surprised. No. To me, it was surprising because I just felt like the big deal that Pierce and Dan made about the file before in like episode one or two when Pierce asked for it it just felt like it would have been way more of a ticking bomb than just oh yeah that's part of your Lucifer file okay yeah it's fine of course we should get Dan a muffin basket is another note that I have and he deserves one 
Of course, yes. I am very glad that Chloe is back to her competent self in this moment, immediately figuring out which property Lucifer is on. And it is for two reasons. And that's one, she is a good detective. And two, she knows Lucifer really fucking well. And more importantly, she knows his poetic justice approach. And because of the mention at the beginning about the sunsets, she immediately realizes what's happening. Which, thank you. Thank you for giving us competent Chloe for one scene in this fucking episode. Well, the heist also gave us competent Chloe. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. We move back to Lucifer's sin bin and actually my murder-adjacent argumentation earlier happens in this scene. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry I Mm. took this Ah. away. Also, can I just say the word murder-adjacent? Very much here for it. Thank you. It's totally good, yeah. And I found it sweet that the one argument that convinces Mace to stop trying to stop Lucifer is the potential threat to Chloe. Mm. What I don't understand, though, is why is she leaving? I'm, I get it story-wise, because if she had been there, it would not have played out like this. But what is the motivation for Mace to be not there? I think I can help you out in this, because this is something that I really liked in this moment. Because Mace, she is arguing against this because she loves Lucifer and she worries what this would mean for him if he actually goes through with this. And... Then he builds his argument and then it comes to Chloe and she realizes why Lucifer feels the need to do this, but she doesn't want to be a part of it. She doesn't want to be a part of Lucifer potentially destroying his life. And then that's why she chooses to leave. I actually really like that. And I think it really works with Maze's character in general, the way she evolved over time, because the old Maze would feel the obligation to stay there to protect him at all costs. But the new Mace, she cares for herself first and she doesn't want to watch Lucifer go through this. Does she care for herself first? It feels like she cares more, like she cares about Chloe and this is why she's allowing this to happen. She cares about Chloe so she allows it to happen, but she cares about herself so she chooses not to be a part of it. That is my perception of the scene anyway. Okay, I'm gonna accept it. It doesn't satisfy me, though. Okay, that's fair enough. That's all I have for this. The next scene for me was completely redundant. Basically, it's you know him that well. It's like, yeah, they have been partners for over two seasons. I could have been much happier if he wasn't there. It was just like, why do you think I'm stupid? Yeah. We go back to the sin bin for the final time. I have a different musing for Maze having performed proper torture. There is fucking little blood. I think that Maze's techniques don't necessarily involve cutting as much. She said that if he does anything more, the dude would die. He does not look at the brink of death's door. I think my issue is not how he looks like, but the fact that he has enough energy to like stand up and actually like push Lucifer back a little bit later in the scene. He can move, he can talk, he's not bleeding, he's not breathing heavy. This is not a human that is is like one inch from death. And that is what I understood from Mace's comment. Maybe it's a little different perception of death Mace is talking about. Maybe. Either way, Lucifer, first thing he does, he changes the eyes again. Which Which was fun. Amazing. (laughs) Also, he's stalling. And now I feel we get the 
actual confirmation that the pseudo-cinnamon wants Lucifer to kill him. Because now the taunting is so obvious. This is extremely heavy-handed for me. And this is one of my complaints in this episode. At some moments, the writing is great. And at some moments, the writing is so ham-handed. Which actually fits the history of Sherry Elwood's episodes. Because some are great and some are horrible. So... Now I get both sides in one episode. We clearly have a completely different opinions on which parts are which. Oh, yeah, not surprisingly. Because I did <laughs> not have an issue with this whatsoever. I actually really enjoyed... Like, there is a, loads of, like, little bits and pieces of Lucifer struggling to bring himself to actually hurt the dude. And to me, it was just like, oh, yeah, now you step too far. Now he's gonna kill you. Now he's gonna do something. Oh, no, he's stalling even more. Oh, my God, yes. Uh. So you were a fan of the stalling? Yeah, it was hilarious. Oh, boy. <laughs> My issue came at this stage when dude is suddenly feeling well enough to make fun of Lucifer and stand around. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then Lucifer, I have a quote where he says, I'm going to boil you. In a pot. In a pot. Because it's the most painful way to die, according to BuzzFeed. And that just made me laugh because that was amazing. Again, yes, I know that you didn't enjoy the stalling, but like to me, it was just like, this is just so Lucifer. It's just so typical it was. of him. I'm not disagreeing with that. And that makes it good for me because it's true to the character. And he can do it because he has to do this tied up. He's not going anywhere. He's blind. He's not he's tied, tied up. up. He's not. Okay. I thought he was tied up. But anyway, he's blind. He's not going anywhere. Question. When he stands up and the interaction standing happens, there's one sentence that the pseudo cinnamon says that makes no sense to me. Yeah. Which is pull the string puppet master. Yeah. And even with the reveal later on, Pierce is nowhere near in that moment. What is the meaning of the sentence and why is he saying it to Lucifer? I think that there's an agenda that has not been revealed completely to us yet. But the only person in the room is Lucifer in that moment. And I think, I firmly believe that dude is convinced that Lucifer knows what he's talking about. But he doesn't. Okay, I don't see that. I think there's something else that has not been revealed yet. Who is the puppet master? Lucifer. In this guy's mind, it's Lucifer. I don't know why. Curious. But as you said, there's nobody else in the room. Yeah. He must have meant Lucifer. I'm not sure if you're going to get the explanation next episode, but I'm hoping that they're going to give us a little bit more about why what happened happened because Lucifer is still intrigued. He still has a lot of questions and he's going to go after the answers. And I think like what would be the motivation for the dude to be murdered by Lucifer? We don't know that. We don't know the motivation. We don't know why he wanted him to kill him. At the end of the episode, we know that Pierce and the pseudo-cinnamon were close, apparently since yes. the pseudo-cinnamon was a child. Because Lucifer is trying to overpower Dude, he's asking him questions. He's trying to figure out what he meant by the puppet master, what he meant, why it, does he want to be killed? You know, he's trying to get answers mm. and Pierce takes it away from him. And he's actually, he's starting to ask the good questions. Exactly. So that is my perception that Pierce just happens to show up at like a moment, I think a little too late because there's already been set enough for Lucifer to be piqued in interest and be curious. And I think that's the basis for him to realizing that he's actually 
not Marco Spears. No, 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 no. That's the photo with the mark. On yes, the arm. but the reason why Lucifer is going through the evidence is because he, he wants answers. Because he does not believe that the pseudo cinnamon is the actual cinnamon. And the reason why he doesn't believe is because of the behavior that the dude was presenting yeah. moments before he died. But there is no shade towards Pierce until the moment with the picture. Well, except for the whole forest scene. I. I don't think that he is specifically targeting Pierce at this moment. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Pierce realizes that dude probably said too much and that's why he kills him. And it doesn't mean that Lucifer is going to connect it to Pierce, but Lucifer didn't get answers. Question. Did you, do you think it was Pierce's plan from the beginning to kill the pseudo cinnamon in that no. moment? No. Ah, okay. So we have a base disagreement because I think this was the plan from the very beginning. And this explains why we read this scene so differently. To me, the base of the scene is pseudo cinnamon was supposed to be killed by Lucifer for some unknown reason. And because that was not happening when Pierce walks in and dude is being weird and doing stuff that Pierce doesn't want him to do revealing, revealing shit, shit yeah. that's why he kills him it's a decision made on the spot it's not planned I can see that work okay that makes sense to me yeah and it makes a lot more sense than my microphone theory. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm good with that okay I'm not only accepting this I'm also satisfied with this <laughs> Eureka to close out the scene, we end outside and Chloe is being like tapped on the shoulder by another cop and she walks back in to have a conversation with Lucifer. And I hated this. Mm-hmm. I hated, hated, hated this with a passion mm-hmm. because it has been explicitly established in this episode and in hundreds episodes before, but explicitly in this one episode that Chloe knows Lucifer and that she trusts him. Mm-hmm. And while I do understand that she is angry that he went off plan, it is not unusual for Lucifer to go off plan. And he, in the past, always had a very good reason. And once she learned that reason, it made sense to her. So her refusing to even listen to him is what grinds my gears so much. I get that she's angry and she's completely right to be angry, but she's not right to not listen. And also it's not very Chloe to give into her anger like this. Yeah. I think there is a more in play than just the fact that just the fact that Lucifer didn't follow the plan and didn't tell her. I think that she is hurt by the fact I think that she completely overreacts and she should have listened to or at least tried to listen to his explanation because she has proven to be better than this before however I think a lot of this is coming from Pierce as in maybe not that he tells her what to do or not to listen to him but the way Pierce sets it up the whole situation of like I did Lucifer a favor by pretending that the situation turns out the way it did. There seems to have been a conversation between Pierce and Chloe that we are not taken part of. Yeah. And I think that this is just a way for Pierce to manipulate Chloe into thinking that he is a bigger hero than he actually is. That just makes me hate it more because now Chloe also is being manipulated even more blatantly and it just makes it worse. (laughs) This is why I hate it. Yeah, this just adds to my hate. This is why I hate it, because I feel she should have chosen Lucifer.
Lucifer over Pierce yes. at this moment. She yes. should have done that and she didn't. I understand that she is hurt and she feels like she has been left out even though she thought that they are past this. But it is not like Chloe under normal circumstances to not at least try to listen to him. Yes. Or at least giving him the chance to explain or, you know, like getting so emotional. It is yeah. not like her. And I think that one thing that is different from the usual circumstances is Pierce. Yeah, he's the one new variable. And this is why it makes me mad because this is directly connected to him and she should know better. She should not let some random dude that she just met, even though it's her boss, to get in between their friendship. Yeah. Full agreement. Yay. Nothing else on the scene. Yeah. We return to the end of the Trixie sitting, because I don't want to call it babysitting. The moment I write down, Trixie is a great matchmaker, Dan says, best wingman ever. I love that Dan sees it, recognizes it, and verbalizes it. Yes. And I just wanted to say that I really appreciate the brightness that these two, Charlotte and Trixie, are bringing to this episode in this scene. Because other than that, the episode is super tense and we didn't get to the big reveal just yet. But this entire episode is just so sometimes upsetting, but sometimes really tense and sometimes there's a lot happening mm. i wouldn't even call it a comic relief i would call it a wholesomeness it's wholesomeness wholesomeness is a good word for it it just made me really happy and i think it brings the episode to another level and speaking of brightness i feel that this is the first moment where we see some actual lightness in Charlotte. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, my last note on the scene is go get them, hun. Because she decides to actually act on uh, Trixie's advice yeah. and call her husband about her kids. Ex-husband. I've reacted with an R to this because it is very heartwarming that she is mm -hmm. going to try. She's going to fight. Yeah, she's going to at least try to get into contact with her children. If yeah. she loses, at least she's going to have tried and yeah. fought. And I think not only this is a good thing for her kids, because, I mean, having yeah. their mom around, if she has the possibility to be around, is probably a good thing for children. Especially but also, if they can really work good... through the horrible yeah. issues that they probably build up with mom charlotte mm. so yeah. yeah but also this is a very good moment for charlotte herself yeah it because it shows that she has a better appreciation of herself that she trusts her own self with her children and she decides to fight for them and that is definitely a step to the right direction for her this is her taking back the reins this is her deciding i am in control yes and this is very important because she was so out of control of her life mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and because she didn't know enough she didn't feel that she could take control and so many other decisions have been externally influenced in the way that okay i don't want to go back to hell so i have to do this and this feels like i have been wanting to do this but i didn't dare And now I dare. We go into the penultimate scene. Yes. And this is where I was upset with myself a bit. Because as much as I hate Ella being so hyper, uber, extremely into Pierce, the way he lashes out at her and her reaction, like her physical reaction 
standing there while he walks off and not moving just hurt me so deep because nobody shouts at Ella. Like, Mm -hmm. this better have horrifying consequences for Pierce. If I hadn't hated him already, I would hate him now. I have to say, the timing of this situation is absolute perfect perfection. Obviously, they wrote it, so it yeah. worked out this way. But I think that this moment when Lucifer looks up, when he's like, wait a minute, yeah, give me a second. Is this... And you have the two puzzle pieces kind of going closer together, but then he looks up and sees Pierce lashing out at Ella mm. and the emotion and everything and that that is very revealing if you reveal an emotion like that it tells a lot about you because lucifer sees that i feel like that just clicks and yeah at that moment he's sure and that brings us directly to the last scene which is confrontation time lucifer called pierce to come there and i mean this lead up to this scene, my note just went, oh, 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 it's happening, it's happening. And here we are. I absolutely love the no build up Lucifer stabbing Pierce. Yeah, that let me is... just grab this real quick. Where is it? And he just straight up stabs the dude and no hesitation whatsoever. And so Pierce falls over and he dies. Mm-hmm. And I will admit that oh, I did not expect him to proper die die Mm -hmm. and to stay dead for as long as he did so i started wondering hmm maybe lucifer needs to take the knife out for Mm. him to be able to return and then i was like okay i think he really has to take the knife out and that was the moment where he goes like and really graphically pulls the surprisingly long knife out of his chest that you see his arms and the I impression. was I was like yeah <laughs> work it baby uh, okay. someone like getting impaled oh wow and no. that's definitely what he said <laughs> Okay, so to me, yes, I absolutely agree with you. However, I was looking at this from Lucifer's perspective, not from me, Veronica, who's seen this before and knows that he's not going to die perspective, but from Lucifer's perspective, who's like, he's very certain that this is Cain. He's very certain. There is no hesitation, no stalling. He just just stabs him. He just flat on, stabs him. It's fine. And then he sits there and he... I don't think he expected it to take this long either. Yeah, he has the shoulder glance he does mm-hmm. once. And there is, you can see it on his face that at the beginning he's like, oh yeah, sure, he's coming back. And then Drama queen. Exactly. And longer it takes for him to come back, he gets a little bit more and more nervous. There's and he's doubt starting creeping. to doubt himself. Yeah. Creeping. It's not too visible, which makes it better. But yeah. he's like, did I actually just broke? the first rule which is nice with the callback that no angel can kill a human Mm -hmm. blah 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 blah. and there is obvious relief to me Mm -hmm. on lucifer's face and expression it's not obvious and uh it's not too obvious it's not blatant but it's clear like it's clear enough we can see it once again i mean these nuances are why we appreciate tom Tom Ellis. ellis And so he rises and, well, 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 the world's first murderer, which is Kane. 
And so, obviously, Cain, biblical figure. Let's see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Here we fucking go, is my note. Here we fucking go, indeed. Just to add to that last scene, this is way much better main plot than the Sinner Man. But the cat is finally out of the bag. We were talking a lot about the different feels that Pierce is giving us with the rewatch, knowing that he is actually Kane. I do feel that this plot twist definitely deserves a rewatch of at least the Pierce episodes, if not all 10 of season three, because there is so many little remarks and little details that makes them so much better because we have complained a lot about them. I just have to drop in, even if you hate Pierce as much as I do, it is definitely worth the rewatch. Yes. So I have to say I'm not super happy with Chloe, as we discussed. Although her plan to break the dude out was absolutely brilliant, which, again, was mentioned in the episode. Ella is super good, but she is used a little bit as a trope, which, I mean, I can live with that for this episode because it kind of is a means to an end. And it is very Ella, let's be honest. Then Dan is being extremely cute and his whole super dad thing and the gift, the box. Oh, but as I mentioned just a few scenes ago, I loved the fun and brightness that Trixie and Charlotte brought to the table in this episode. So all in all, it is the best Kane episode yet. Well, it is the first Kane episode, so there's that. Well, okay, it is the best Pierce episode yet. True. So my initial reaction after watching this episode was say what? Because I did not see this coming at all. First watch through, did not call this, did not see this. They completely got me and I am here for it. I really, really like it because I hate Pierce. And is there a bigger asshole, biblically speaking, than the one who murdered his fucking brother just because God liked the other sacrifice better? It fits Pierce to a fucking T. And Obviously, me being me, I have certain expectations based purely on my knowledge of Cain outside the Luciferverse, which I talk in kind of deep detail about in this week's bonus material, exclusively for believers. And I am very curious where we are going with this now in the show. And aside from this reveal, it was so very satisfying to get official confirmation that the pseudo-cinnamon was not the actual threat for the season. Because as we have complained about, that would have been so blah. Yes. Add to this some perfect interactions between Dan, Charlotte and Trixie. Sprinkle in some adorable Ella moments. Frame it with sarcastic mace commentary. Wait, and, are you painting a picture? And you have a very happy Lena. Yay! Sadly, where we seem to be going with Chloe is the only speck of dirt in this otherwise pretty much perfect wrap-up of the first 10 episodes. So I hope that they will give us, or rather me... <laughs> A satisfying twist or and evolution with Chloe's behavior, just like they did with the whole Cinnamon and Pierce plot. But till then, I'm not happy. And I like to be unhappy. And with this, we say 
thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social medias. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really, really help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank you. Bye.